Your friend has just had surgery. You want to jump on the meal train and take dinner. What do you fix? Well, if you're like most people, you send lasagna, bread, and enough dessert to last all week. Then the next day, someone makes chicken spaghetti, rolls, and more dessert. What if instead of the traditional comfort food, you fix something that actually promotes healing? You're listening to Healthy Looks Great on You, a lifestyle medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vicki Petz-Casper. This is episode 107, Post-Op Nutrition. Today, you'll learn what to cook and what not to take to someone who's had surgery or is recovering from a medical condition. Whether you're the patient, the family member, or a friend, you'll have better understanding about the process and the extra energy and nutrients needed for healing. Of course, the best foods to eat post-op somewhat depend on the type of surgery. Someone who's had their tonsils out will have different needs than someone who's had a hysterectomy or knee surgery. But there are some general principles for everyone to promote healing and alleviate side effects of medications. Today, I'll share some recipes and ingredients that you need to include that will help rather than hinder. But first, we'll examine the common problems after surgery that you want to target with your meal. Then we'll explore the science of healing. It's fascinating. Then we'll jump into the kitchen. One issue many people experience after surgery is decreased appetite. And you know everyone bugs the patient to death. You need to eat. You need to eat. And while that's true, it's better to encourage the patient to eat more often rather than eating more in any one sitting. And make sure that what they're eating is packed with calories and nutrition. Offer lots of healthy snacks like fruits, Greek yogurt, and nut butter. And sometimes it's easier to drink than chew, so smoothies hit the jackpot. I'm going to give you some specifics and my super secret ingredient in a moment. But hydration is crucial. All those drugs that were pushed through the IV during and after surgery, they need to be flushed out. Drinking lots of water helps with circulation, which in turn helps maintain adequate blood pressure to combat fatigue. Hydrating also helps manage swelling. You know, without enough fluid intake, the body just hangs on to every drop. Think about how the skin on the back of your hand looks when you're dehydrated. It loses its elasticity and it doesn't spring back when you pinch it. Now imagine how bad that is for tissues that are trying to heal. Water is best, but if needed, add some natural flavors like watermelon, citrus fruits, such as orange, lemon, or lime slices. Pineapple adds a lot of sweetness. Other tasty combos are strawberry basil or cucumber mint. I have a secret ingredient that can be added to water too. I'll tell you in a bit. The target for drinking water is 12 to 16 cups a day. But avoid sugar-sweetened drinks like lemonade or sodas. And I also want to mention diet drinks. The healing process requires a lot of energy and energy comes from calories. Decreased appetite is common after surgery. Don't waste the opportunity to hydrate with healthy, naturally flavored water or vitamin and nutrient-rich smoothies by filling your stomach with diet drinks. They're completely empty of any benefit. Now, trust me, I get that caffeine may be an issue if you're used to getting your Diet Coke every morning, but tea is a better choice. I'll probably do an entire episode on the different types of tea and their benefits, but since we're talking about caffeine, let's just take a quick look under the microscope at black tea and green tea. 
Herbal tea has lots of benefits, but caffeine is not one of them. And if you're an addict like me, you gotta have your caffeine. My drink of choice is coffee, and that's fine as long as you don't drink too much. But sometimes it does upset the stomach. Black tea can lower levels of C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker. Polyphenols found in the tea leaves also have anti-inflammatory properties. So skip those diet sodas and drink tea for a pick-me-up. But really use water to flush because too much caffeine can cause its own problems. Now that you're awake, in addition to decreased appetite, nausea is common after surgery. And there are a lot of reasons. Obviously, any surgery in the abdominal cavity is going to affect the GI tract, but even surgery on your big toe can cause nausea because of the anesthetic medications as well as the pain medications. And that's why lasagna isn't the best choice for a post-op meal. All that tomato sauce is acidic, and that can further irritate the stomach lining rather than soothe it. Now, there are a couple of ingredients I want to mention that actually counteract nausea. The first is ginger. Ginger is used for nausea of pregnancy, chemotherapy, and motion sickness. But it needs to be real ginger, not those sugary ginger snaps or ginger ale. Raw ginger root contains gingerol. (laughs) Now, don't you wish all chemicals were named that logically? Well, don't get too comfortable because ginger root gets its pungent taste from shogals. 6-shogal is also an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and it's more concentrated in dried ginger. The theory on why ginger helps with nausea is that it promotes emptying of the stomach. And ginger comes in several forms, raw, dried, crystallized, candied, powdered, and capsules. And the actual dose hasn't been well studied, but aim for about a gram a day, and that will help with post-op nausea. You can add ginger to soups or smoothies, and that's one of my secret water flavoring ingredients, and it pairs well with lemon. Most people go home from the hospital with several prescriptions. The most commonly prescribed medication for nausea is ondanostron or Zofran, and take one guess at what the biggest side effect from this drug is, and I'll give you a hint. It starts with the letter C, a big C. That's right, constipation. And it's compounded by all those drugs that were given during and immediately after surgery. They cause constipation too. Decreased activity has a cumulative effect contributing further to constipation. Okay, I've covered all the C words causing this common symptom. Let's communicate about it a little more. Constipation can be the most miserable symptom of all after surgery. But wait, there's another C that makes it even worse, and it's something your friends will load you up on when they bring you that chicken spaghetti or taco soup. Did you guess it? Cheese. I know we all love mac and cheese, but really, it's not best for the bowels. Neither is red meat, processed meat, refined grains like rolls, breads, pasta, crackers. Oh my, that hits a lot of fan favorites on the meal train, doesn't it? You don't have to go to medical school to know that D comes after C. So let's talk about another big category to avoid. Dessert. When I developed myasthenia gravis, I was super sick and stuck at home. People were incredibly kind and thoughtful and I had so much food. But here's the deal. I was on a high dose of prednisone, which made me diabetic. So I specifically requested no dessert. 
but most people just couldn't stand it. And they brought sweets anyway. And I'm not talking about just a few cookies. I'm talking about a whole cake or a whole pie. And while I appreciated it very much, I couldn't eat it. Oh, but there was a time when I could, and that wasn't a good thing either. When I was in my 30s, I did a jackknife off the diving board and ruptured a disc in my neck. Yeah, I know. When my C-spine was surgically fused, the desserts flowed into my kitchen. Good grief, I had dessert for dinner every night, leftover sweets for breakfast in the morning, and more for lunch. And listen, a week's worth of meals that includes a cake with every one of them is a total of about 14 cups of refined flour, about 10 sticks of butter, and at least 8 cups of sugar. I know that sounds delicious, but 10 pounds later, my clothes didn't fit. And I think it's obvious that nobody needs an entire cake a day, post-op or otherwise. What is actually needed is fiber. Whole grains have lots of fiber, vitamins, and minerals. And if you listen to the last episode, you might remember that fiber is only found in plants. So instead of baking, think about ways to add healthy sources of fiber, such as avocados, flax seeds, chia seeds, whole wheat, whole grain cereals, whole grain rice, oatmeal, beans, fresh fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Now, unfortunately, there is a downside to some good vegetables. They cause gas. The worst offenders are cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and good old beans. Now that has passed, it's time to go to mini medical school and look at what happens to the body after the surgeon makes that slice. A surgical wound causes an intense inflammatory response. The immune system mobilizes the troops and sends out an army of white blood cells to surround and protect the wound. The arrival of this battalion can look angry, causing redness, swelling, and warmth in response to the scalpel's injury. A surgical wound causes trauma, disrupts tissue, and interrupts blood supply. Fortunately, the body has an amazing ability to heal due to its cellular response involving activation of keratinocytes, those are just skin cells, fibroblast, this is the construction crew that comes in and makes the fibrin and collagen. Endothelial cells, these are the ones that line the blood vessels, and that's super important because new blood vessels are forming. Macrophages, think of these as the cleanup crew. They eat up damaged tissue and bacteria. And lastly, platelets, those are important in normal clotting. They kind of glob up together and form a plug. There are four phases of wound healing. Inflammation, epithelialization, fibroplasia, and maturation. If a wound does not get infected, the normal inflammatory phase of healing is complete in three days. Maybe that's why the third day is so hard. But at this point, there's still no strength in the wound yet. Epithelialization occurs when the cells start joining with their buddies to form bridge work of similar cells. And they have to touch each other to know they're supposed to hold hands. So the deep skin cells join other deep skin cells and the superficial skin cells start forming a barrier to the outside world to prevent infection. Then fibroplasia is when collagen fibers cross-link and are laid down. Fibroblasts rush in within 24 hours and by day 10, they are the dominant force. They attach to the fibrin matrix, multiply, and start making strong connections over the next six weeks until the wound is strong again. But that's not the end. 
These collagen fibers continue to remodel and contract, and pigment changes occur too. Wow, healing is incredibly complex. Most of the time, the body works the process, but it's easy to see how it can be disruptive if everything doesn't follow the plan. Infections blow up the whole mechanism. That's a huge setback. If someone smokes, has diabetes, poor circulation, or takes certain medications, that can also interfere with the healing process. Guess what else affects healing? What? I think I heard you say nutrition. Want to know more? You're in the right place. Now, medical school wouldn't be complete without a test. So, do you know what serves as the body's building blocks? A plus if you said protein. Chewing and digesting breaks down those proteins into their amino acids. These are used in healing by forming new little blood vessels, nerve endings, muscle, and other tissue. Protein is absolutely essential for healing. In fact, protein needs are way higher after surgery. The American Society for Enhanced Recovery recommends 0.7 to 0.9 grams of protein per pound of body weight after surgery. So for somebody that weighs 150 pounds, that's between 105 and 135 grams, and that's a lot. This macronutrient helps fight off infection. The problem is many sources of protein are also high in saturated fats. Hopefully you attended the last class, I mean podcast, so you know all about fats. You should know that lifestyle medicine promotes a plant-based diet. You can get enough protein without meat or dairy, and we'll cover that in another episode. But for now, I'm going to include information about meat, because your friend or loved one probably isn't eating plant-based. We will focus on healthier sources of protein, such as skinless chicken, which contains 21 grams of protein in 3 ounces. An egg contains 6 grams of protein, and Greek yogurt contains about 15 grams in 5 ounces, depending on the brand. But watch for a lot of sugar in yogurt. Remember, your homework assignment from last week was to start reading labels. So sweeten your yogurt with fruit instead. I do want to highlight a few ideal plant sources of protein, though. Quinoa, kidney beans, nut butter, vegetables, and whole grain pasta or rice. So start thinking about how you can combine these ingredients to make things like grain bowls. Maybe start with a base of quinoa and add some nuts and vegetables. Drizzle a little tahini on top. I'd love to hear your favorite recipes. But I did put some Pinterest links in the show notes for you. Before we leave the topic of protein, let's look at some fascinating new research that I think you'll find interesting. Breaking down this topic, what do we get? Amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. Stack them together like Legos and you've got a whole protein. And every single cell in the body contains protein. There are two amino acids that are super important in post-op healing, glutamine and arginine. They're naturally made by the body, but sometimes the body's needs outpace its ability to manufacture. So that means they are essential amino acids, or at least semi-essential. Guess when you do need more than you can make? Yep, after surgery. These two amino acids play a role in transporting substances in the blood, which may mean they help prevent infection, but there is more research that needs to be done. But this field of study is called immunonutrition, and it refers to immune-enhancing nutritional supplements. 
Glutamine is the most important and abundant amino acid in the body. It has a starring role in the immune system function and gut health. It's found in eggs, beef, pork, poultry, milk, yogurt, ricotta cheese, cottage cheese, raw spinach, raw parsley, and cabbage. All right, all right, I know that makes you feel so much better about that lasagna, doesn't it? But I do love a good tabbouleh, which is a raw parsley-based Middle Eastern dish. And don't knock it if you have not tried it. Plant-based sources include soy, nuts, and seeds, especially flax seeds and chia seeds, red cabbage, and red kidney beans. Arginine is found in tofu, rice, and corn. But I can't really imagine taking that to someone who just had knee replacement. But sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, chickpeas, nuts, anything like almonds, walnuts, cashews, Brazil nuts, hazelnuts, pecans, and even peanuts. And lentils can certainly be used for a delicious meal. I put a link in the show notes to the Instant Pot recipe I use to make lentil dishes. They're so delicious, and I think we could classify them as healthy comfort food. Other sources are turkey, chicken, and dairy. Now, besides arginine and glutamine, omega-3 fatty acids are also being evaluated for their role in healing. Omega-3 fatty acids are found in fatty fish, algae, and high-fat plant foods. Now, I don't really recommend taking a dish of algae if it's someone you love who's had surgery, but you can add walnuts, soybeans, and chia seeds to what you're preparing and get more fatty acids. The other area of research that is intriguing is the use of probiotics and symbiotics. Kombucha is fermented tea, and it contains a sugar and a SCOBY. (laughs) You know I like odd words, but SCOBY stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. It's an understatement to say kombucha is an acquired taste, but that's just my opinion. You've probably already heard of probiotics, but... Symbiotics are a mixture of those probiotics, which are healthy gut bacteria, and prebiotics, which are non-digestible fibers that help those bacteria grow, so they work synergistically. That's where the prefix syn comes from. And these immune-enhancing treatments are being studied to see if they prevent complications such as infection, as well as return to normal bowel function. And some of those studies are promising, but more data is needed. Okay, that's enough classroom information. Let's go to the lab. I mean, the kitchen. Besides grain bowls, soups are an excellent way to hit all the needed nutrients for healing. And before we take a splash, let's learn about some specific micronutrients the body uses for recovery. The most important micronutrient the body needs for healing is good old vitamin C. You probably already knew vitamin C was important, but did you know why? Well, It's necessary for the formation of collagen, which is what supports the body. Collagen is how your body puts bones and ligaments and tendons and cartilage and skin back together. In other words, the surgeon makes the cut and vitamin C rushes to the rescue to put things back together. Hmm, if only Humpty Dumpty had collagen, those cracks would have been filled in. But all he had were king's horses and king's men. I mean, whoever thought a horse could help anyway? Pure silliness. But vitamin C is abundant in broccoli, red peppers, potatoes, tomatoes, kiwi, spinach, strawberries, cantaloupe, and of course those citrus fruits. It reminds me of the saying, eat the rainbow. As a bonus, these foods also contain the most important mineral in healing, and that's zinc. If collagen is the building block, zinc is the mortar. 
It's needed for every phase of wound healing. And zinc is found in milk and dairy like yogurt, spinach, whole grains like brown rice, oats and quinoa, nuts like almonds, cashews, mushrooms and beans like chickpeas and lentils, as well as poultry, seafood and fish. Okay, okay, it's also found in beef. I hope you're happy. But zinc really matters because it's involved in immune function and protein synthesis. It's involved in the early remodeling of collagen, and that's why it's so good for healing and skin growth. Vitamin A stimulates collagen formation too. Apricots are high in vitamin A, and the dried ones can really help you go too. Carrots, sweet potatoes, broccoli, bell peppers, especially the red ones, Avocado, butternut squash, tomatoes, eggs, mango, milk, peaches, and pumpkin are chocked full of vitamin A, which helps make skin cells. Seems like kind of an orange-red palette, doesn't it? Another mineral that helps heal tissue and reduce swelling is magnesium. Good sources are avocados, almonds, cashews, leafy green vegetables, bananas, and whole grains like oats and rice. Hmm. I feel like there's a theme developing here. So what I'm going to do is put a list in the show notes of these foods which are power-packed with nutrients. If there's been significant blood loss, iron levels may be low. Iron is found in red meat, but also in whole grains, dark leafy vegetables, nuts, and dried fruit. Hopefully that gives you some ideas about dessert besides pie and cookies. And remember, iron is better absorbed when eaten with vitamin C. Now, before we finish up, let's do a quick overview of blood clotting. What you don't want to happen is to get a blood clot in the deep veins. And the single best way to prevent that is by walking. And riding in a car is especially bad because the edge of the seat puts pressure on the back of your knee. That's where DVTs can form. On the other hand, blood needs to clot after surgery or you just keep oozing and bleeding. So what's needed is healthy clotting. The stars on the food lineup here are dark green leafy vegetables, okra, fish like tuna or salmon, fruits like grapes, cherries, apples, pears, and citrus fruits which contain flavonoids and phenols which reduce the buildup of plaque and inflammation inside the blood vessel. Also prunes are good for this and they're good for getting the bowels moving too. Here's a little tip, you can add prune juice to a smoothie. It's sweet and mixed with the right combo, it tastes just fine. Calcium also plays a role, and it can be found in fortified orange juice, cereals, and soy products. Olive oil and berries may help prevent deep vein thrombosis or blood clots, as well as my two secret smoothie ingredients, turmeric and ginger. Turmeric has anti-inflammatory properties, and it probably deserves its own podcast episode, but sprinkle a little on oatmeal or soups post-op. Whew, it takes a lot of energy to heal. And remember, energy comes from calories. So focus on those nutrient-rich foods. Think of proteins like bricks. Suppose you're rebuilding a house that was destroyed by a tornado. You wouldn't want to run out of bricks. In the same way, you don't want to run out of protein in the rebuilding process after surgery. But after surgery, with a decreased appetite, getting enough protein may be a challenge. So the patient needs to eat often, whether hungry or not. Protein needs to be included in every meal, every snack. And you can pair carbohydrates with a protein and healthy fats such as nuts. 
Now, doctors have known that nutrition is important in post-op healing for a long time. It was first reported in the literature in 1936. Yet I am amazed at what hospitals serve after surgery. It's certainly not wound-healing-friendly foods. After I had that neck surgery, they brought me rice. Now, I want you to do a little exercise with me. Pretend your neck is completely immobilized and you're in a collar and you're kind of reclining in the hospital bed. Now, act like you're trying to spoon rice into your mouth. There's this little forward slide that can't be done in a collar. It's a needed skill when eating rice in bed. I guess the kitchen didn't think of that. I also remember being in the hospital with myasthenia gravis and that prednisone-induced diabetes and getting no less than chocolate cake. My loved one that recently had surgery got chicken tenders that were heavily breaded and so tough, there's no way anybody could chew them. Now, we can't change what hospitals are serving, but you can sign up on the meal train to take foods that help. And remember, soups and smoothies are the jackpot. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Tuscan soup because it has a lot of good stuff in it. Think also about oatmeal, add berries and nuts. You can put just about anything into a smoothie, including prune juice or dates. And to help you meal plan for your post-op loved one, I created a download in the show notes. Because recovered and healthy looks great on you. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not considered to be a substitute for medical advice. You should continue to follow up with your physician or healthcare provider and take medications as prescribed. Though the information in this podcast is evidence-based, new research may develop and recommendations may change.